And it's that piece when they get, um, when that sort of like, you know, emerging grounded confidence starts to appear and they start to understand like, oh, this is, this is how this all works. And this is why I have a hard time, or this is why I'm really good at this stuff. And then they started to just start to take off. That's like, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning is that, that helping folks get to that, to that place. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Gilda Evans, bringing you the Autism Resource Podcast. This podcast and the ARP website are your one-stop knowledge and resource base for autism and much more. I'm pleased to have David Wildcrest join me today as my guest. Diagnosed with dyslexia at age six, David is a learning specialist passionate about supporting neurodivergent people and has developed expertise in supporting folks with complex profiles. He holds a master's degree in education and a certificate in educational therapy and has helped countless students and adults improve their executive function and metacognitive skills. Before founding Outside the Bell Curve, David had a long career working in the school environment. Welcome, David, and thank you so much for taking time to join me today and discuss the work that you do. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So to begin, what do you think people in general need to understand about neurodiversity? So here's how I think about it in sort of like the biggest picture. Not all, but most neurodiverse folks, in my experience, exist sort of like between two poles of what I call resonance and dissonance. And I think of it in terms of a three ring uh, Venn diagram of like whatever their diagnostic profile and cognitive profile is in one ring, personality in another ring, and then interests in, a, in the third ring. And when those three rings are all overlapping on the resonance side, you're working on something that is in your, your interest area, it aligns with your personality, and it aligns with your cognitive abilities and strengths. And that's what I call like resonance. So that's one pole. And then the other pole is the dissonance when it's like all three are working against each other. <laughs> and you know, if you're not interested in it, it doesn't suit your personality. You don't have cognitive strengths in the area and it just feels kind of terrible. For me, that was a really visceral experience as a, as a student and even as an adult when it just hit a wall and it's like, there's something I can't do because of my dyslexia and personality interests. And it's just like, it always feels like the floor falling out from underneath you. Just sort of like this kind of like shocking, like, whoa, like I'm usually like pretty good. And all of a sudden I can't do this thing. And then on the flip side, you know, the resonance piece feels like amazing. Like you're like just in the zone and you can just do like really incredible things that most people can't do. And I've just found over the years that the more people know about their own story, like I call it their neurodiverse story and how those three rings are interacting and like whether or not they're going into a situation that might be a time of resonance or dissonance from them or anything in between, that the more knowledge and preparation they have with that sort of like as a framework of like, this is how I experience the world and how that helps them prepare for different kinds of situations. I feel like it just drops the stress level and just allows them to sort of be their best self in as, in as many different contexts as possible. All right. So then how do you help an individual understand their own, as you said, their own neurodiverse story? Yeah. So not everybody that I work with, but most people have like a diagnostic report and that's a foundational spot to start with either from a psychologist or a neuropsychologist. 
And then I just spend time getting to know them. Sometimes for the personality piece, I'll use a personality measure like the big five is my favorite one to use. But that's not always necessary. I feel like there's just a way in terms of thinking about like openness and kind of like sometimes centered on like rigidity, but that's kind of squishy, you know, like the, the personality piece is squishy, but in conversation, I find it's not that hard to sort of figure out like how that's playing together with interests and then the cognitive profile. So it's really about starting with a diagnostic report, spending some time sort of getting to know somebody and then thinking through together what their story is and giving them a toolbox to, to be able to better prepare themselves. And, you know, if that's, if I'm working with an adult who's neurodiverse and they just want to do that, or if I'm working with parents who want to understand their child, their child experience of the world, their lived experience of their neurodiversity and how to create plans, five to 10 year educational plans based on that information. These are the kind of things you want to be thinking about. I try to give parents the tools so that they, okay, I need to make sure that my kid is having, I don't know, 30% of their time in residence, you know, so that they're providing like extracurricular activities if that's not going to happen in school for whatever that, to just give that their child that time to shine. And then also if they're in school or like some setting that's going to be particularly challenging, making sure that they know specifically what kind of supports to have in place. And then that's just sort of like a reference tool. Their story becomes like a reference tool for how to make those sort of long-term planning decisions. Okay. So let's say you've been working with a parent of a neurodiverse child or a, a neurodivergent adult. And what are the benefits that come once a parent, uh, a neurodivergent individual, once they understand more about their own story, what are some of the major benefits that you see happen? I think there's primarily a decrease in anxiety. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not a doctor, but just giving people the sort of foundational understanding so that they're not caught unaware. You know, for me and for a lot of folks that I've worked with, there's sort of the sense of like at any time, like that experience of the floor falling out from underneath them could happen because they just like hit that wall where it's like, oh, this is that thing that I'm like terrible at. <laughs> and the more they understand when that's going to happen, the less scared they are of it happening. And so that just can sort of free up cognitive resources because that background anxiety about like, oh, is it going to happen? Like, I don't know. Could it happen? It could happen right now. You kind of can get into almost like a hypervigilance is too strong of a word, but there is a way in which, especially in a school setting where you're like, oh, is like on guard, like, oh no, is it going to happen? Is this going to be that thing that's really confusing and scary and I don't know what to do? So to answer the question more directly, it's like that decrease in anxiety so that there's not that fear about like, when is this going to happen? There's like a foundational understanding about likely times that it could happen. And then also just like, when it does happen, like, okay, I know what this is, as opposed to some unknown, scary, fearful event that just feels like totally random. And then once you start to see actually it's not random, there's pretty predictable times when these things happen and here's why, and here's what we can do about it. I'm a big Brene Brown fan. And so she talks about like the importance of owning your story. And that's why they use the language of your neurodiverse story. And I find that when people do know their story in that context, then they can take ownership over that story, which is more Brene Brown language. So it's that sense of self-understanding to have more grounded confidence. All right. So now from a more personal standpoint, why do you coach? What do you love about your work? And, and what's your favorite aspect or aspects about it? 
That's great. Yeah. Uh, so it's that it's like helping people get to that level of understanding. So for years, I would work with students primarily. Now I'm working with more adults, but in schools for with students, and I was kind of doing this this work of this neurodiverse story framework kind of intuitively without, I hadn't really had the chance to figure out what is it I'm doing? Like, how do I explain what I do to other somebody else? And I would just kind of get to know somebody really well and I'd help them figure all this stuff out. And then they start to take that ownership over their story and they feel like a grounded sense of confidence so that they can do things that they have been like too scared to do or felt too bad about doing or like were too anxious to even try. And so having that that moment where they start to take charge and just have that sort of light bulb about like oh this isn't this isn't like this terrifying unknown scary world actually there's these patterns and when i understand these patterns then i can take charge so my favorite thing is to create the space in which other people get solve their own problems right so I'm not actually very good at any one academic skill, but I'm really good at helping people get better at whatever academic skill they struggle in, even if it's something I'm not good at, because I give them those tools of self-understanding and ownership so that then they can move forward on their own. And it's that piece when they get, um, when that sort of like, you know, emerging grounded confidence starts to appear and they start to understand like, oh, this is, this is how this all works. And this is why I have a hard time, or this is why... I'm really good at this stuff. And then they started to start to take off. That's like, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning is that, that helping folks get to that, to that place. All right. So if there was one important thing that you think people should remember from our conversation, the one most important takeaway for parents and neurodivergent individuals to have, what would that be? That it's possible to understand yourself in a way that can make your life easier. You know, just that there is a way to sort of think about, I find that neuropsychological reports, educational psychological evaluations provide a great foundation. A lot of folks, when they read those reports are initially kind of like, there is so much information you hear, like, how do I deal with this? And I find on their own, they don't help people necessarily make change. They're critical documents for getting accommodations and getting all these supports in place. But in terms of the individual and the family, having that sense of ownership and being able to put ownership over their story, that it doesn't go far enough if you're not including the personality and the interest in sort of like how, what is this whole story? It's the, the diagnostic report is one piece of the story, not the whole story. And so the takeaway I would want people to have is there is a story here that you can figure out. And when you understand that story, you can really start to take ownership over your life in a way that you have not been able to and just figure out how to solve your own problems. Because, you know, there are lots of different pathways through problems, right? People have specific skill weaknesses or whatever executive function weaknesses. And there's, I don't find that there is one off the shelf answer for neurodiverse folks that solves their problems. But what I do find is that understanding yourself allows you to figure that stuff out for yourself. And so that takeaway is I can do this. I need to know the story. And the story for me, I found most helpful is made up of the diagnostic report, interest and personality and how those three things are interacting with each other between the two poles of resonance and dissonance. Well said. (laughs) I like the way you put that. (laughs) 
So how can our listeners reach you to find out more? Yeah, the easiest way is my website, which is outsidethebellcurve.org. And that's just spelled one word, outside the bell curve. With dyslexia, whenever I start spelling things, I make mistakes. So I'm just going to leave that to you, outsidethebellcurve.org. <laughs> outsidethebellcurve.org. So O-U-T-S-I-D-E-T-H-E-B-E-L-L-C-U-R-V-E. Right? Correct. Yeah. Dot, dot org, right? That's it. See? Okay. Yay. Yep. <laughs> We're a good team. <laughs> We're a great team. I was going to say is like, when you got these things, you got to figure out how to ask for help. So I appreciate you helping me out there, even though I didn't directly ask. So yeah, no problem. Thank you. That's the website. And you can sign up for an appointment, like a no charge consultation, or you can send me an email at david at outside the bell curve dot org. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, David, for your time and for sharing your story with us today. Thanks for your interest. I really appreciate it. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular platforms. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always access us and other great resources on our website, autismresourcepodcast.com. I want to thank our listeners for spending part of their day with us. This is the Autism Resource Podcast, and I'm Gilda Evans, reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.